Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you like the great outdoors? Are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP. The Bow Hunter Planet podcast is proudly presented by Vanguard Outdoors. Racks Inc. and Crossman Air Rifles. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Bowen Plant Podcast. We hope everybody's having a wonderful night, day or evening or whatever it is for you. Uh, you know, it is archery season. We are full underway here. Um, and I, it has been a blast. And and that being said, we have so many great guests coming on the podcast right now, and it's been exciting to talk to all sorts of people across the industry and uh, hunters alike and all that. And recently, you know, we, we worked on a couple special episodes. If you haven't heard them, The Legend of Fred Bear was just launched a few weeks ago, and that's really fun to listen to, um, get involved with, and hear some of those stories that you might not have heard in a long time. And it gets you really excited for the season, but also keeps you going. But uh, uh, speaking of guests, we got Will Brantley on with us tonight. Will, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Great. And Will is from uh, the Bonnier Corporation. And uh, Will, tell us about the magazines you guys work on uh, at your company. Well, we have a lot of them uh, under the under the Bonnier brand. The two that I work on are, are a couple that probably most of your audience is familiar with: Field and Stream and Outdoor Life. Um, I'm, I'm hunting editor of both of those titles. But in addition to those, we you know there are a lot of magazines that uh, that folks have probably heard of: Popular Science, Savour, uh, things like that, uh, Saltwater Sportsman. So a lot of a lot of good titles out there. But yeah, Field and Stream and Outdoor Life are, uh, are where I call home. Now that is uh, amazing because I have always been a really big fan um, of those magazines, actually, and I actually have a field and stream right in front of me. And we, you know, it, being a being an owner of a podcast, we we keep up to date on all the magazines so we can like go through them for stories and things to talk about. So when uh, when you guys look at these magazines and you're and you're going to set some you know issues and the topics and all that, I guess how do you start that that process? Like how do you say okay? You know, we're in October of 18. Right now you're in July. You're thinking of October. How do you guys get the stories ready for that? I got, how does it come together, I guess? Well, it's a, it's a big collaborative process. We have uh, on-staff editors and, uh, and, and a variety of, of contributors, uh, as well as uh, really talented design staff. Um, and, you know, everything is, is planned out, not only in – in what's going to be a great story, but also how are we going to be able to present it in the pages of a magazine so that it's, uh, you know, entertaining to look at and fun to look at and, and just, uh, just kind of a cool overall experience on the, in the day and age of a lot of competing media types online and television. And, um, you know, people, uh, 
people don't always think about print magazines, but you know they're still still pretty vibrant, still pretty popular, and um, they allow you to present some stories in a way that I don't know is kind of kind of unique. It's I've always I grew up reading outdoor magazines, field and stream and outdoor life, of course, and, and a lot of others. And there's just something about sitting down uh, in a deer camp or, or wherever you may be with a printed copy in your hand, and uh, and so. As we're starting to plan the process, um, you know, we're, we're thinking about all of those things. And all of our issues, um, you know, we, we kind of work on a three-month lead time. But even ahead of that, we're, we're constantly, uh, the other editors and I, uh, brainstorming different ideas that, that might fit uh, for, for a given time of the year. Uh, we'll, we'll sometimes come up with, with various themes for, for an entire issue to follow. Um, you know, we had had an edge issue here a while back in Field and Stream, for example, had a lot of things about, uh, you know, knife making and and, uh, and and axe making and just and just a lot of cool stuff that was all kind of centered around knives and, and axes and, and tools that outdoorsmen use every day. So um, so we'll do that and, and think of ideas that might work under that theme and also just think of really good individual story ideas. And again, that's where we... Uh, as editors, I'm a, my title is hunting editor, and, and I do a lot of editing and assigning, but um, I I'm probably would be considered more of a staff content guy uh, in that I do a lot of writing for both magazines, every issue, uh, and it's kind of my job to uh, get out in the field and, and hunt enough that uh, I'm not an expert on all things hunting, but uh, I, I know enough to at least spark some story ideas every issue, and, and that's that's kind of my job is, is to keep those fresh ideas on the plate. And then, of course, we have some outstanding writers uh, who send us ideas as well. And so we'll brainstorm as a, as a staff and go over those ideas months in advance, and uh, sooner or later those stories start kind of coming to fruition. You start seeing the the text on paper and selecting photos or uh, commissioning illustrations and, and it all kind of comes together and somehow we we managed to <laughs> get, it, get it done by, by the printing deadline each time so uh it, it's definitely a, a big collaborative process a lot of work with a lot of people behind the scenes that people probably don't don't think of when they you know when they pick up that finished copy and look at it in their hands yeah no for sure and it's funny you brought up the edge one because that's the one i have in front of me <laughs> <laughs> What's the odds of that? <laughs> that is so funny you said that. Um, now, Field and Stream Magazine, um, I, w- I just wanted to clarify this for listeners that might not know this. Field and Stream Magazine is completely different than Field and Stream stores. So I remember reading yeah. about this a long time ago. They're actually separate. They both license the name different ways at some point, but they are completely different. Yeah, They're not owned it, by the same was, company. It was, um, it was a, a deal years back before my time uh that that store got the uh the rights to license that brand for their merchandise yeah we uh, aside from that we we have nothing to do with the store they're they're completely uh completely separate businesses yep yep for sure yeah i just want to make sure people understood that Cause sometimes people get confused i mean i was confused at one point i was like oh they must be own each other or, you know whatever but then i realized i'm like oh wait a minute then i, I remember looking it up one day because i'm like i gotta figure this out oh sure well you know i mean here here a while back i mean those stores pulled uh pulled ar-15s off their off yeah that's, that's why that's why i want to make sure and we had we had we had readers raising hell with us and we're like hey 
there's nobody more pro gun than, than this group. So <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we, we, definitely two different two different groups just happen to fall under the same name. Yeah, you're like, let's clarify something here, guys. You know, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's cool, man. I, I, I you know. There are so many uh, cool things about those magazines and, uh, you know, people having a chance to read them. And now, is it when you're talking about the different magazines, does it make it a little bit hard for you because you're trying to work on two different ones and maybe the, uh, one of them has a little bit different content uh, than, than Feel and Stream? Uh, they, they do uh, to a degree. Um, and, and sometimes it can be tricky. I mean, uh, there's certainly crossover uh, in the in the two audiences, um, and obviously they're they're covering they're both covering hunting and fishing. Um, you know, I think Outdoor Life has always been a magazine. Um, you know, co- always kind of identified itself as 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 sort of the magazine for. I don't know if blue collar sportsman is the is the right uh, the right description, but it's the one I'm going to use. It's it's always had a lot of really hands on tips, things like that. A lot of really uh, uh, nitty gritty gear reviews, and that's that's something to this day that, that we really pride ourselves on in outdoor life is our extensive gear testing and uh, and our and our unbiased gear testing. Um, you know, we do a a uh, huge, huge gun test every year, um, a huge bow and crossbow test. This one that, that I captain, and, um, you know, we we ring that stuff out uh, uh, pretty thoroughly and, and as, as fairly as we know how, and, and we report on the results honestly, and it's, it's something we take a lot of pride in. Um, Field and Stream uh, has, has always been known for – some of its longer narrative features, um, you know, almost uh, pieces of outdoor literature, so to speak. You know, we have guys like Dave Petzl and Bill Heavey and Eddie Nickens uh, writing for that magazine, and, uh, you know, those guys could, could write for any magazine in the country. Um, and, uh, fortunately, they write for us, and, and some of the stuff that they, they do is just, you know, it's just outstanding. And so um, definitely a lot, of, a lot of crossover, but the, the two books – you know, have each have their own unique and, and really cool identities and inner aspects of, of both of them that, that I really enjoy working on. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's really exciting. Um, you know, and, and like, I just, I, one of the things I really love about Field and Stream is the cartoon stuff you guys do in there. I think it's so unique and different. Um, I love, like, it, it almost, I almost like to just like watch the illustrations sometimes, you know, you're like how to start a fire or, you know, how to survive or whatever it is. Um, it's just very unique, and the, the imagery used and the stuff you guys do, it's just really, really something. Um, and it's exciting to me. I, I like the idea that, um, you know, it's something different. You guys have, like, this this edge one you're talking about, um, you guys, like, laid out every knife perfectly. You guys, like, numbered them, and then you can, like, go and read about them on the right. Each one of the numbers correlate to, like, a little paragraph about them. So that's, like, really cool. It's done so well. And um, so great job. I guess I'll leave it there. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. And, and again, we, we have a staff of designers, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, designers and, and, and our, our photo editor, John Tulin. And I mean, uh, those folks, they, they continue to amaze me. They, they're working on different magazines, not just Bill and Streaming Outdoor Life, but some of the other titles of the Premier brand uh, yeah. every month. And the, the ideas that they come up with and, and, be through to the end um for for a guy who's a word guy like me um you know i, I can't always visualize those things and um 
the way that they're able to pull that off time and again and find the very very best photos and uh, these illustrators who uh, are just unbelievably talented. Um, it's really cool. I mean, it's a really neat part of the process. It's a really unique part of the process. It's, it's something that probably a lot of outdoorsmen, um, you know, would be surprised to see uh, that that side of the business. But, uh, but man, they pull it off time and again, and, and it usually looks pretty good. Yeah, definitely, definitely done well. Um, so I guess tell us about you. Like, what's going on with you? Are you uh, how's your hunting going this year so far? Well, I'm in western Kentucky, and uh, our bow season opened the 1st of September. Uh, my wife and I both hunt a lot. We, we've got a, a couple of small farms here that, uh, that are family ground that, that, that we've uh, owned and managed and hunted on for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a year-round thing for us. Whenever deer season is not in, we're uh, waterfowl hunting or turkey hunting or working on food plots or fishing or something. But, uh, you know, starting in about July, uh, it's it's all hands on deck getting ready for both. And with our with our early archery opener, we, you know, we have a pretty cool opportunity for uh, early season bucks when they're still in velvet. And um, you can hear my dog barking in the background. He's a Catahoula. He's our blood tracking dog. Um and uh, I'm out here in my hunting clothes, and he's wondering what's going on, why we're not going to look for a deer. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's been pretty good. We we had kind of a hot, uh, well, um, even back in Kentucky in September standards, or a really hot early season. We shot a few does um, and and saw a few nice bucks early. Nothing uh, nothing that we uh, were able to nothing uh, uh, that we wanted to shoot that we were that we were able to and passed on a couple of pretty nice deer and now finally things have cooled off and man the little bucks are running does like crazy and there are scrapes popping up everywhere and uh, I've rattled in a couple of deer the last couple of sits so it's, it's definitely getting to be the right time of year. Yeah, no, makes it I, hard to sit at the desk and concentrate when things like this are going on. I've heard, yeah, I can hear you there. I've heard a lot of good things about Kentucky, especially in the velvet. Uh, is that like, is it like getting super hot there or what, man? Because I, I have people that leave Michigan to go there just for the velvet hunting. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's one of those things. We, uh, you know, we have some big deer here, no doubt about it. And uh, in western Kentucky, in particular, where I am, we. It looks a lot like, um, you know, it kind of looks a lot like Iowa and southern Illinois. We we have a lot of small woodlots and rolling hills and uh, and big crop fields, you know, acres and acres of corn and soybeans, something we have a lot of deer. We get some big deer. And just that you're able to hunt them uh, starting the, this year it was September 1st, but it's, it's, it's always the first Saturday in September when that opens. So we usually get about a solid week of, um, of opportunity when the bucks are still in velvet. And even after they shed, they're still on those summer patterns. And, uh, and it can be relatively, um, I mean, it's hunting big bucks with a bow arrow goes. It yeah. can be relatively easy to get on a good deer. Um, the, the thing that, uh, uh, you know, that, that a lot of people, I think, especially traveling from out of state and, and traveling from the northern states in particular, that they're not prepared for is, is how hot and miserable it is here in the first part of September. We'll have really high humidity, and it, and it might be 90 degrees. And so um, a couple of evenings in that and uh, not getting a shot at your deer, the new can wear off of it pretty fast. But, <laughs> um, 
but it's a great time of year to hunt. I've killed more big deer with a bow uh, in Kentucky in September uh, than than any other month. So yeah, that's cool, man. I, I like I said, I've heard so many good things. I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about it and uh, talk about hunting there, and it just they people go there every year just to be on it, you know, or just to get on those deer. And uh, it's exciting. Is, is Kentucky one of the only uh, states to offer a velvet hunt? Is that maybe you think why? Plus, there's obviously good deer. Well, it's um, it definitely has one of the best opportunities. There, you know, there are a few other places where you can, you know, where you can get on a velvet deer. Um, I think Kentucky, uh, you know, it's it's season opens up early enough, and we have enough big deer uh, that, that that's a part of it. And, and you know, another part of it. Um, not to beat around the bush with it. I mean, we, we can bait in Kentucky and deer will come to a corn pile in September. And that's, that's one of those things. It's not for everybody. Um, but that's just the way people around here hunt a lot. And it's, uh, it makes it really, uh, it's it's pretty effective uh, that first week in September. So most of the time, uh, if you're looking on Facebook and you see a pro staffer kneeling next to a big Kentucky buck in velvet, uh, I can just about lay odds that it was killed over a corn pile. Yeah. The way it is. And so that's, um, that's, that's another reality of it. Uh, if they ever discover CWD here and, and, uh, and stop the baiting, um, I would say you'll see that success rate on those early velvet bucks go down a little bit. Oh yeah, I'm sure. We've had a lot of issues in Michigan with the CWD now, and they're now banning baiting statewide. It's been a long fight here, and um, unfortunately, the hunters have lost when it comes to baiting. And uh, it's going to get harder for people to harvest deer without having it. You know, some people are totally against it, others are for it. It's just one of those things. You know, I I, I try to keep an open mind. You know, if if it's really going to help, then maybe it's worthwhile. But I haven't seen anything that really proves anything, so I, I've had a hard time, you know, digesting what well, we're getting, it's, given. It's a, it's a contentious thing. I mean, you know, the the bottom line is, I mean, your your top minds in in deer science uh, are are warning people that that CWD is a real threat and uh, and a you know and a, and a potentially devastating one for for the country's deer herd and you know whether it is uh transmitted by deer being artificially concentrated around a bait pile um you know there are a lot of questions about that for sure but uh Mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things that that if it's discovered that's that's obviously uh uh, you know it's 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 a safety measure i think to to stop that and you know i I hunt over bait um at, at times and uh but you know, it's it's one of those things. I know CWD is a is a real enough threat that if if they said, you know what, we're going to be safe and and take baiting away in Kentucky, I, I'd support that. So, yeah. um, I'd be it, kind of disappointing that first week in September, yeah. but it's, you know, it's for the greater good. I'm so. the same way. If they if they really know it's that's the thing, then I'm okay with it. I, I get my concerns more along the lines of. You have cornfields, they eat off a corn thing, it falls, another one comes and eats it. I don't know, I just don't know necessarily that it's that big of a deal, but I don't know. You know, I'm not a pro, I'm not a pro, I don't, I'm not a scientist, I'm just looking at it from a general perspective. Um, But hopefully, hopefully we all resolve it, and uh, you know what, we'll see in Michigan, right? Because like I said, it's going to be banned completely, minerals as well. So uh, not this year, but next year. Baiting's banned this year fully, but um, like a lot of other stuff they get rid of, like uh, deer urine, just a whole bunch of strange things. Um, but we'll see. You know, maybe maybe it'll turn out, and uh, we all have be able to hunt later in life. Obviously, if not, 
we have a big yep, problem. Yep, that's, um, that's the ultimate problem. goal. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's up to us to, you know, take care of a pretty special resource that we have. Yeah, for and, sure. And, uh, you know, I bet people still can manage to fill a deer tag or two with a corn pile. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, you just got to get a little better at your trade and figure out the routes, and, and there's other ways to do it. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, if food plots are legal, you got to look into that. You know, that's an option, too. Um, you know, there's different things, you know, and, and to be honest, baiting is a lot of work, to be honest. I mean, you got to carry it out there. You got to put it out. It's expensive. So, I mean, there are all the other alternatives that if they are legal in your area, it might be something worth consider anyway. But, uh, anyway, For so sure. do you, uh, sure. so you only work on the field and stream and outdoor life right now? Uh, yep. Yep. That's, uh, that's my full-time gig now. I was, uh, a full-time freelancer for quite a few years before, um, uh, coming to work full-time for field and stream and outdoor life. I had freelance for them for years, and I was um, actually got my start in this business as an intern for outdoor life back when I was in college. Oh, cool. New York City. At, yeah, I went up to New York City at age 19, uh, leaving the population 400 town of St. Charles, Kentucky, uh-huh. and uh, spent a couple of summers in Manhattan. And, um, you know, he uh, a kid grows up quick doing something like that. Yeah. Um, and and I learned uh, a, a whole lot. Uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty valuable experiences. But um, continued to freelance for for those magazines for a while after that, and and freelanced for almost of the other, uh, you know, fairly well known uh, outdoor magazines. I was on staff for Ducks Unlimited for a couple of years, and. Uh, and did a lot of contract work for Realtree, uh, sort of managing their website. And so I, I've had the good fortune to, to travel around and, and work for a lot of good companies in the in the outdoor business. And That's, um, uh... it's, it's been, uh, you know, they talk about being in the right time at the right, you know, or the right place at the right yeah, time. And yeah. I, I've, I'm one of those in my career. I've, I've had that happen to me a bunch. So I've been pretty fortunate. That's really cool, man. Now, uh, where do you work out of? Out of Kentucky? Out of your house? Or how do you, uh, or they have a, a, a building there? No, no, I work out of my house. Um, cool. Got a little half upstairs here in the house, and got a little office set up up there. And actually, my uh, my heater just went out, so, um, <laughs> so I'm keep to those long johns how to, on. Uh, how, how, to, how to keep Kentucky Field and Stream office um, uh, while, while trying to stay up on my deadlines and fill my yeah. bucks back. So. Yeah, keep those long johns on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I was going to ask you that because I saw on the website uh, they said uh, Florida, New York, California. I saw a lot of big cities in there uh, for the Bonnier Corporation. So I was like, oh, I don't. It's interesting. So obviously, you guys have all these other ones. They're working out of those groups, uh, flying hot bike. Yeah, you guys got a ton, the, the, man. The the two main offices um, are uh, are in Winter Park, Florida, and uh, and in in New York. Um, uh, a lot of my coworkers actually work in the in the office at Two Park Avenue there in New York, and that's that's where I worked as an intern years ago. And um, you know, it would be pretty tough for me to do my job as hunting editor in New York City. Oh yeah, I go there on occasion out. for meetings yeah. and things. And uh, New York City, it's a it's a nice place to visit, but I, I'm ready to get back to Kentucky after yeah, a day or two. So. For sure, man. <laughs> Cool. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for joining us on the podcast, and I uh, hope you guys learned something today on the show. Uh, you can learn more about Will and check out all the amazing uh, magazines they have at Bonnier Corporation, which uh, obviously includes the two favorites that we love as hunters, Field and Stream and Outdoor Life. Uh, but they also have pop- Popular Science. They have Marlin. They have a lot of fishing stuff, too. I didn't realize you guys had so many fishing, scuba diving, 
yeah, saltwater, sure. uh, sailing. I mean, pretty cool, man. The the uh, all the the specific wow, sport fishing. There's a ton on here. Uh, water skiing, wakeboarding. I mean, I didn't realize so many magazines. You guys must have a lot of people working. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. <laughs> Dang, pretty um, good size company. Yeah, yeah, very yep. big. So that's really so. exciting. Uh, again, check them out online. Thanks for joining the podcast, and we'll see all the fans next time. Thanks again. Celebrating the rich tradition of bow hunting for over 31 years, Vanguard is proud to be the official optic and hunting pack of Bowhunter Planet. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time.